wrestling fans, are you ready? This is Tuesday. You people bought a ticket to see me, so shut up. Wrestling Tuesday with Jonathan Hood. First of all, Dusty Rose, I think what you are is a big, ugly, low-class redneck goose. That's what I think you are. Yeah, I put it. I know I put it. But I'm most of all, the baddest man around in the world today. Follow the show at Wrestling TWT on Twitter and Instagram. But remember, my fireflies, as always, I'll light the way. And all you have to do is let me in. Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday. The bottom line is, in all my magnificence, you're going to be mine. All Here's Jonathan Hood. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family, and welcome in to another edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. I'm Jonathan Hood. Survivor Series taking place at the Thunderdome. We'll review the latest pay-per-view for the WWE. Glad that you're with me here. Don't forget to follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at WrestlingTWT. Survivor Series, a traditional tent pole event for the WWE. And really what stood out to me the most is the end of an era for the WWE. One of the greatest characters to ever step between the ropes and into the ring for professional wrestling, The Undertaker. We're going to talk about him in just a moment right here on TWT. Decades, this man, notwithstanding his injuries and hardships, he's endured and stricken fear in the hearts of, uh, if not terror, in the hearts of almost everyone he faced here in the ring. And at the same time, entertained a global audience, be it WWF uh, or, of course, WB Universe currently. Tonight marks an end of an era, an end of an era of the most storied career in history. It'll never be duplicated. So tonight, we say, we say goodbye. They say, uh, they say nothing lasts forever. I think they're wrong because the legacy of The Undertaker will live on eternally. So now I give you the dead man, the phenom, ladies and gentlemen, The Undertaker.
30 long years I've made that slow walk to this ring and have laid people to rest time and time again. And now, my time has come. My time has come to let the Undertaker rest in Undertaker being honored at Survivor Series 30 years ago. There was The Undertaker coming down with Brother Love, introduced by Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man, and history began the WWE. So I saw The Undertaker before he was The Undertaker with WCW when he was Mean Mark Callis. And he was a single, then was part of a tag team, the Skyscrapers, with Dangerous Dan Spivey, managed by Teddy Long. And you could see that Mark Callis was going to be something special. Now, the thing is, is that you saw the height, you saw the power, and you saw a lot of big, powerful guys during that time. You see it now here in 2020. But when Mark Callis, who was okay in WCW, you could see that he could be something if WCW would have stuck with him. Um, goes to the WWE and he becomes The Undertaker. And what a story that is. If you go to the WWE Network, you'll hear a lot of stories from The Undertaker talking about how he became The Undertaker, everything that had gone into it. It's a lot of great documentaries on the legacy, the 30-year legacy of The Undertaker. I want you to think about characters in wrestling, right? Many people that think about wrestling think about the characters of wrestling. For me, of course, I've always just been a pure wrestling fan, really not caught up in characters, uh, Doink the Clown or Goldust or Honky Tonk Man. But I want you to think about the really good characters that have been cranked out by Vince McMahon and Titan Sports over the years. So Mr. Perfect, Kurt Hennig, think about Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. We could do a, an hour 
show about the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase, and why that mattered and why that was the most unique thing for its time, for a long time. Um, Mankind, we knew who Mick Foley was and we knew who Cactus Jack was, but Mankind was just a very different character than what we've seen over the years. Um, The Honky Tonk Man, of course, was his own character, which is just something that's long-lasting. That man's a Honky Tonk Man now. He's not Wayne Ferris. He's a Honky Tonk Man. But there's something different about The Undertaker. Without question, this character, The Undertaker, is on the Mount Rushmore of great wrestling gimmicks. Gorgeous George is the original of that. Gorgeous George, uh, back in the infancy of television and black and white TV, when people thought about wrestling, Gorgeous George was synonymous with pro wrestling. The Undertaker is also right there because there is no doubt with all the cartoonish gimmicks that the WWF had at the time, there was something that was long lasting and that was the talent of Mark Calloway. Just being a big guy who looks like The Undertaker and then having that metamorphosis, the ability to become the American badass. I respect The Undertaker from the time I saw him in WCW to his end on Sunday at Survivor Series because he did so much, did so many great things for the WWE. He became a major attraction, whether he was a heel or babyface. When you saw him come down the motorcycle or when you saw him come down solely as that Undertaker character, the pure Undertaker character, you had no doubt to, to, to respect the man, to respect the character. He and Paul Bearer were a terrific act together. They were terrific. And it's so funny because as a wrestling fan, seeing who Mark Calloway was, seeing who um, Percy Pringle was before they both came to WWE and knowing who they were and then to see them comfortably uh, aligned together, it's just tremendous. It really, really was. It was either The Undertaker as a single or him being part of the Brothers of Destruction with Kane. Uh, That cut through the clutter and the nonsense and the bad comedy of the WWE. Because when you saw The Undertaker, you knew it was going to be something that was serious, something that had a meaningful storyline, and you knew Vince McMahon had a lot of respect for The Undertaker. Here's something else, too, that we don't talk enough about. Do you know that The Undertaker had the WWE Championship for multiple times, six, seven times? You know, it's interesting. Here is a man who never needed the WWE Championship, but he was champion. When we think of The Undertaker, we think of the gimmick, right? We think of the classic matches. We think of the streak. But we don't think about him and his run as champion because The Undertaker really never needed the championship. That's like fifth or sixth on the list of great accomplishments for The Undertaker, which says a lot about who he was to many wrestling fans across the world. The Undertaker... You think about the darkness, you think about the streak, you think about the classic matches, you think about the aura of The Undertaker. And then, yeah, he had the championship. It's funny that he was on Broken Skull Sessions with Steve Austin on the WWE Network, and he talked about a number of things, including The Undertaker being the champion. And was that even necessary because he was so over? Here's a question, uh, a business question. Like, you were... Seven-time world champion, but I think I had the belt six times. What are your thoughts on a world championship belt? 
obviously I think it goes on the guy that's that's putting asses in seats. I, I like the old school mentality of finding that guy, and as long as that guy is riding that wave, like you do, that's your guy. I think you you, you stick with that guy. If you look back in history, you think a world champion, you think of Ric Flair. 100%. You think of Harley Race. 100%. Yeah. Who's the world champion? Is it, it's Rick or is it, is it Ray? Harley? Yeah. There's just certain names that are synonymous with being world champion. But for you, for a guy who, like I said, greatest character in the history of the business, greatest run in the history of the business, how important was the belt for you? Because there's many ways to look at it. Sometimes it's a tool to help the talent right. have validity, to help give them credibility. Uh, other times it's because, yeah, they are so hot and that's the, the, the belt should be on them. Right. But with all of your success, you know, obviously there's certain times where because you are so hot and you are who you were, yeah, you, you, you are the world champion. But it, the, the belt didn't necessarily make you. No, and I, and I don't think when, when people look back on my career, whether seven times or not, I don't think they're going to be, they don't think world champion. At all. Uh, and I'm fine with that. No, my, but, my but they know you had the belt a couple times. Yeah, they'll yeah. say, God dang, how many times he had world champion? This bothers yeah. me. Like, yeah, hey, yeah, I, I don't think. Years. Yeah, I, I don't think that that really affects, and it wasn't. Uh, you know, I was always that great guy to be going after it because the guy, because I never lost really. So, like, how does how do they get out of that kind of deal? So, I was I was always great chasing it. Thought I was better in the chase as well. Yeah, yeah, I always thought I was much better in the chase than than actually having it. And then the times that I know that that there were plans for extended runs, <laughs> I ended up getting hurt, you know, yeah. it, it, it just my, it was just the way it is. But I don't really think, I, I, like I said, the chase was always better for the undertaker than, than actually having the title. Cause then as the, as, as a baby face monster champion, it's kind of a tough situation to book. Right. 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 So, yeah. but that monster baby face chasing is like, Oh, if Undertaker gets his hands on this guy, he's going to become champion kind of deal. So, Say what you will with them. Like we've talked here, tools, making someone valid, whatever. Right. You're, you're, you're very proud to have a championship. Along with the championships, you have so many performances at WrestleMania. Mm -hmm. uh, and last time we talked, we really didn't go into depth about the streak. Right. And your streak at WrestleMania, well, you're 25-2 overall. Right. And so... My question is uh, to you, when did the streak start becoming a talking point and a thing? Because you can string up a couple wins, right. but then all of a sudden, it's something that starts to be, hey, along with the championship match, or, yeah, here's the championship match, but Taker's chasing this. Right. So tell me about the streak and when it actually became a thing. So I don't even think anybody thought anything about it until I was 9-0. and And finally, somebody in the year that I worked with Flair, so that's the first time that I really kind of made mention of it. I think you and I are on the same page with Ric Flair being the greatest of all time. Absolutely. Okay. All right, here he comes down to the ring. And you know, he's the greatest of all time, but I always equate Flair with NWA and, and WCW from yeah. the bulk of his career, right. if you will. know what happens here. Yeah, we didn't quite get there. Oh, 
Got him in the corner. The negative of the thing, I mean, you want to try this again? Yeah, he... Yeah, I think we're going to do it right here. Yeah. And it, and it goes perfectly on this one. Oh, nice ball. Nice yeah, ball. It, yeah. It, was, it, was, it was awesome. He... He tells her, like, I come up to him and say, you want to try that again, kid? And uh, I, I, I'm not I'm not positive that I said it that way. Yeah. I, other than I knew, you know, how much that meant to him. And, and it meant, you know, the world to me. And I wanted him to, I wanted him to be successful. I don't know that I, <laughs> it kind of came off like I was being cocky, but that wasn't my intent at all. I, I was so, I was so thrilled to be in this match that, uh, Man, who would? Uh, nice kick out. Nice bump over the rope. Man, he, there's just so much you can learn from that guy, even to, even to today. It's How just, were you with the chops? Because Flair loved to chop people. You weren't so much a guy that loved chops. I didn't like chops. Um, but you know, there's a, there's a, there's a few guys. Like, All right, you're Flair. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna chop me up. I don't. It, it's Flair. No, so here's this is the first time that I make reference yeah. to the street. The Undertaker is up. He's 10 0. And that was the start of it. And after that, it it, it kind of took on a life of its own and, and it just kind of magnified each year because the, the lore and the legacy and the, the mystique of the whole thing continued to grow year after year and it became almost as important as whatever the main event was. So going into that year, uh, I remember Vince pulling me into the office at a TV. He goes, Mark, he goes, I'm, I'm so sorry. Like, I hadn't got you figured in, right, to Mania. And I was like, yeah, kind of, you know, kind of noticed, right? <laughs> yeah. Everybody's, you know, deep into their builds already, right? And he goes, I mean, I got two guys. I got two guys for it, you know? And uh, he goes, I got RVD and I got Flair. And I don't think he got Flair all the way out before I said Flair. And he was shocked, right? Vince was shocked. Yeah. Because he thought I was going to go with the younger, you know, the guy. And, and, and RVD was on his way up. And, and yeah. you know, he was doing good things. But it was like, I want to work with Flair. And he was still trying to, like, you don't want to work with, you don't want to work with RVD? I said, no, I've got plenty of time to work with RVD. I want to work with Flair. Yeah. And he goes, you know, because, you know, Flair wasn't one of Vince's guys. He didn't come up. No. Right? So he didn't have the he didn't have the same feel like me and you do. Right? And right. that respect level, I said, I, I got a choice, right? He goes, yeah. He goes, I want to work with Flair. So the thoughts there from The Undertaker, part of the Broken Skull session from Steve Austin's uh, podcast uh, that's on the WWE Network. But it's he's got a lot of stories, and we'll try to catch up with some of those stories on future broadcasts. But it just his legacy is is very interesting. It really is. One of my all-time favorites to watch in the ring because I saw how he began. I mean, think about Mark Calloway just being comfortable there in his black leather jacket across a table from Stone Cold Steve Austin. And they're just shooting the shit and just talking about old stories and talking about uh, The Undertaker's legacy. The more and more you see The Undertaker, you see he's so much more comfortable in what I think is going to be his, the retirement. I think what we saw on Sunday was the end. Uh, unless we see another documentary with him in the back saying, well, 
you know, I didn't get a chance to do it in front of fans, so maybe we'll have to do this again, <laughs> you know. The guy is a first ballot Hall of Famer, and I hope that when he does go to the Hall of Fame, that there'll be fans there. The only disconnect for me is that for someone who's been in the company for 30 years, I understand it's the anniversary, but this could have happened a long, long time into 2021. Maybe on the other side of the pandemic now, we'll get back to having an arena filled with fans, if not full, then half full. But the guy like that deserves to be honored in front of a WrestleMania-like crowd, or a, in this case, a Survivor Series-like crowd. But it was just a soundstage. It was just part of the arena at Amway. And that's cool, but there was nobody there. Just a bunch of screens. And his. it was great that some of his counterparts, some of the wrestlers that he tangled with uh, in over the 30 years were there to honor him. Um, it, it was interesting how it all was laid out. So... The announcement of, hey, this is going to be The Undertaker's last ride. And then here comes like Kevin Nash and the Godwins and Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair, Shane McMahon, and on and on of the dignitaries uh, that wrestled The Undertaker in his career, right? And so then the lights go on and then they, they the lights go down and then they play this video. and um, And all of a sudden, all those people are gone. And then there's Vince McMahon, as we heard here in the open, trying to hold back tears because he's that emotionally connected to The Undertaker. Uh, and so he makes the announcement, the introduction for The Undertaker. The Undertaker comes out, says a few words, and uh, it was a long process at the end of Survivor Series, but it was deserved. Hopefully, The Undertaker will have his due in front of fans at some point where he could really soak it in, the appreciation from fans, because uh, that guy is a Hall of Famer through and through. Out of all the nonsense and all the concepts that Vince McMahon has thrown out there to try to make it stick against the wall, The Undertaker has to be his, it has to be the best. Um, think about it, a young, raw bone Undertaker. A uh, guy that's Mickey Mark Callis in WCW came from Memphis before that. Wrestled as Texas Red in um, the uh, Dallas Fort Worth area for world class. A tall guy, but a nobody becomes somebody uh, in the eyes of Vince McMahon and the WWF. It might be his greatest creation, his greatest gimmick, where he calls up the Undertaker and says, Hello, Undertaker, is that you? And Mark Callis is like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, Mark Callis, WCW wrestler, becomes The Undertaker, and then the rest is history. So quite a story, and well-deserved for one of the all-time greats. Champion and the Universal Champion may damn well destroy one another. 
to his feet in the corner. McIntyre back to his feet as well. Roman Reigns with a spear, but he ran into a kick. Here comes McIntyre. Spear, spear by Reigns. Cover, cover for the win. McIntyre kicks out again. Reigns can't believe it. The WWE Universe can't believe it, Paul. Drew McIntyre will not lose. McIntyre looking for a Claymore, the Universal Champ, a step ahead, monstrous spear from Reigns, but somehow, someway, the Scottish Warrior survives. Roman Reigns with his look in his eyes of what else do I have to do? How the hell do I put McIntyre away? Reigns already put Drew through the announce table, through the damn wall at ringside. What will Roman do? This isn't the McIntyre I've beaten before. This is a different Drew McIntyre. And Roman's going to have to take down deep. You've seen this before, Joe. You've seen this shit before. A direct message sent to our announced team partner, Samoa Joe, as Roman Reigns. We have seen this before. That's about as good a match as you will find. Roman Reigns against Drew McIntyre. So I think that was just an A-plus matchup. Just the action. It started off slowly, and then it really built to a crescendo. And so I enjoyed it. It's not much I could add. I wanted you to hear the final moments of that matchup because I thought that the announced team of Corey Graves and Samoa Joe and Michael Cole really told the story of these two. Roman Reigns, the Universal Champion, against Drew McIntyre, the WWE Champion. Now, here's the thing. I think it's very clear, once again, that the Universal Champion, whether it's Brock Lesnar, whether it's Roman Reigns, seemingly has the upper hand when it comes to who is the face of the company. 
uh, Drew McIntyre is a WWE company champion, just like Hulk Hogan, Brett and Sean, just like uh, John Cena, just like uh, Pedro Morales, just like Bruno, just like The Undertaker, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock. Those are the company champions. But this universal championship, the universal champion, Roman Reigns, because he has the more interesting storyline, because he's the more compelling character, he wins over Drew McIntyre. And you just you think about the build of all of it, right? This very short build. Whoever was gonna in the matchup between Drew McIntyre and uh, Randy Orton, someone had to face Roman Reigns in a battle of world champions. And just the whole thing for Randy Orton, I feel bad for him. And make sure that you're recording this when I say I'm bad. I feel bad for Randy Orton because uh, for about a decade I was not a fan of Randy Orton because I thought he was going through the motions and creative wasn't very kind to him. But I thought that he busted his ass in 2020 in some really classic matches where we saw a different gear from a future Hall of Famer. He becomes a WWE champion. He becomes pretty much a transition champion to get put it on Drew. So that way, it's somewhat of a baby face and Drew McIntyre gets a heel Roman Reigns. They did all that with Randy Orton building him to be the WWE champion. And then he just has to just relinquish it to Drew McIntyre on Raw. So that way we can have this match. It just, I don't understand the booking process of that. doesn't make sense to me. But at least we had a really good match, I thought, in a match that... You know, a year ago, you want to put around the loop, right? You'd love to see Roman Reigns against Drew McIntyre. I, I thought that they did a really great job. Now, here's what's interesting. Roman Reigns is the, the face of the company. So Drew McIntyre is a placeholder, and this feels so much like RVD or CM Punk or others. Drew McIntyre, in this pandemic era, has accounted himself very well, I think, as champion. I think he's done a nice job. Uh, the only thing is that you don't know if he's truly over because there's no fans, there's no crowd. Um, and so it's hard to measure whether people would get off their couch to see Drew McIntyre in a house show as champion. But I just know one thing, that the in-ring work tells me all I need to know, that Drew McIntyre is someone who's deserved this opportunity to lead a company. And he is uh, he has done a terrific job. I really like what I've seen. But it, but just understand the place the placement, even though he is the WWE company champion with his probably his picture up on the wall at Titan Tower, Roman Reigns is the guy. Drew McIntyre is a champion, but Roman Reigns is the guy, the face of the company. How about this matchup? How about what I consider the second best match on the card? You know it's going to be a classic if Sasha Banks is out there as the SmackDown champion taking on the Raw champion, Asuka. Now it's Sasha Banks who's reset the 10 count by doing so and goes after Asuka. Looking for a suplex on the floor. Oh, oh. That's not what Banks was looking for. Asuka using the environment from the top of the barricade and the double knees. Sasha Banks was looking for the meteora, the knees of her own to flatten Asuka. But the Raw Women's Champion, a step ahead. Count of seven. Well, someone's got to move quick. Count of eight. Have it till the count of ten to get back inside the ring. A risk a count out, and both superstars are back inside. That was close. Watch this again. Oscar catching Sasha Banks. Cover, cover. Cover, kick out. And now it's Banks into a cover on Oscar and a kick out. 
It's amazing that this deep into the matchup, it appears as if the playing field has been leveled. A great deal of punishment has been suffered and doled out by both of these women. Now both women to opposite sides of the ring looking for an opportunity to regroup in this cool and champion versus champion match. This match is physical as we expected. Oh, Oscar went for another hip attack. Caught in the ropes. That one high on the shoulder. It's caught the desired effect. Sasha yep. connected, but not with oh. everything. That got it. Followed up with a backstabber. Hooked to the inside leg. Oscar kicks out at two and three quarters. Oscar tried to follow up with a big kick by Banks. Oscar wobbly legs. Oh, backslide. Backslide. Cover. Oscar can't put away. Banks, what a kick by Oscar. Hey, boss, welcome to Dream Street. On the move. All caught. Caught by Banks. Shoulders down. The boss has been the Empress. Here's your winner, the SmackDown Women's Champion, Sasha Really, really good matchup between Asuka and Sasha Banks. We'd love to see them wrestle a lot more, but you just knew it was going to be very good. Very back and forth. It's a solid clinical wrestling match, and it's exactly what I thought it was going to be. Sasha Banks is getting into this point where she becomes a special attraction. Every time you watch her, you know she's not going to have a bad match. I can't remember the last time, if ever, Sasha Banks had a match where I'm like, God, that was the shits. That was awful. No, not her. And neither is Asuka, too. Asuka, so really, really solid. And I just thought that was a really good match. Back and forth action, whether it's on the floor or in the ring. Uh, both women were hurt. They looked tired. Uh, but I just thought that both of them really gave a quality matchup. So I really liked that a lot. Um couple of things, too, that I liked. I enjoyed watching the New Day against the Street Pop Profits. I thought that that was uh, a very good match. I tell you what, man, this, this Ford, this kid here, this Montez Ford, I don't know if I can remember someone with those springs, that those legs, that athletic ability like Montez Ford, natural ability. Look, I've been watching wrestling for a long time and seeing people dive off the top rope or go up a little higher to get a little height. Yeah, Montez Ford is in like a different gear, a different stratosphere when I think about athletic wrestlers. Montez Ford is that dude. Is he a future champion as a single i don't know i would imagine so but he is he is that tag team with the street profits have really come a long way a little green i thought at the beginning with nxt but that's where you learn and then you see them in this matchup against the new day and the street profits defeat the new day via pinfall uh, i thought it was a really um, compelling match Love to see these two wrestle again. I know I've said that the last couple of, of matchups, but when you have SmackDown against Raw, when you see matches that you don't see very often, uh, it's intriguing. You'd love to see it more down the road. Uh, so, of course, there was a couple of things, too, that I was I thought was head-scratchers. Like, for instance, the dual-branded Battle Royal. That didn't make sense to me because Dominic Mysterio, if you were trying to make a star, that was the opportunity to make a star in Dominic Mysterio. The Miz already has money in the bank. Why the hell does he have to win the Battle Royal too? Not to say that the dual-branded Battle Royal really means anything. I get that. But ultimately, when you have a Battle Royal like this, traditionally, you're trying to make a star. And so if 
they want to do this because, well, Miz is a heel and this will make people pissed off. Well, it, it, it's not, it didn't piss me off. I'm just disappointed that at the final there, you have guys like Chad Gable needs to get over. Uh, Dominic Mysterio needs to get over. Those are some of the final guys that were in the Battle Royal. And for the Miz to win the Battle Royal, it's kind of like, yeah, okay. And that finish of the Battle Royal, I've seen a million times. So I just thought that that was weak. I mentioned three things I liked, and then that I didn't like. Then the women's uh, Survivor Series I thought was a little bit odd as well. And here's why. After all of the beating, all the beatings that Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler have put on Lana, their partner in this Survivor Series elimination match. So how is it that Lana is the sole survivor and the way it happened? Just like if you're trying to make Lana, going through a table is not the way because ultimately you're trying to punish her for the comments from Miro about the company because there's nothing entertaining about someone going through a table eight or nine times. Well, this is the spot where she gets to the table. Like, okay, so after the first time, the second time, it's great. The joke that's told eight or nine times is a little tired. And so she becomes a sole survivor because she's standing on the steps crying or fake crying. And now she says, I'm the sole survivor. Is Lana a babyface or a heel in any of this? When you put someone through the table eight or nine times, they become a babyface. And so her standing on the steps crying, and we'll get into Lana in just a second about something totally different that may be related to this. Who knows? Point is, though, is that this whole thing with Lana making her the centerpiece of this Nia Jax, Shanna Baszler, Lacey Evans, Peyton Royce team against Bailey, Natalia, Bianca Belair, Liv Morgan, and Ruby Riot. It's kind of like is she Lana's a sole survivor. If anything, the story you want to tell is Lana does belong. She's been through a table seven or eight times, right? So now Lana can kick ass. Lana could be like, you know what? I do belong here, and I'm going to, you know... Make sure that Nia Jackson, Shane Baszler realizes it. If Lana becomes a sole survivor, it's because she earned it, not because she was standing on the steps. Now it makes her a heel. If that's what she is. I, and with WWE, I have no idea. I just think that it was just poorly done. It, just, it was just really poorly done. Right? Lana could be the sole survivor in a way where she steps up in class, unless she can't work. That very well could be the case, too. But if you if she wanted to get some quick pinfalls, that was the time. This is a situation where, again, if you're trying to make someone, you, you make Bianca Belair because they're just going to set aside Natalia. She went out so weakly and so meekly. I'm like, really? She's just a person. She, I mean, she's just female Dolph Ziggler. It's amazing. Like, Natalia, as if you listen to the end of our last podcast for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, we talked about this. Natalia just comes to work. She makes everybody else better, all these things, and she just gets shit upon. And it's just amazing. She just gets set aside. But if you were going to make somebody, you should make Bianca Belair. Uh, that was not the case uh, at the Women's Survivor Series. So I don't understand what they're doing with Lana. But that was odd. But she was a sole survivor in what I thought was a waste of time for me. You guys know I'm a big sucker for a great promo, right? So on Wrestling TWT on Twitter, if you know some of the things I follow, some of the things that I favor, some of the things I like, are good promos. If I see a good promo, I'm going to like it because that's what hooked me into the business to start with, a great promo, right? Ring of Honor, my God. Ring of Honor does some great promos. 
Now, here's the thing. We don't get Ring of Honor in the Chicagoland area. I got to go to watch ROH if I have to watch it because it doesn't come on a local station. So what's really interesting about Chicago, by the way, is that we do have WGN Network, that, and we do have a station that runs some Sinclair programming, right? At least loosely based with Sinclair programming, but we don't get Ring of Honor here. You might get it in your area, but we don't get it in Chicago. So I live vicariously online to watch ROH when I have the opportunity. But just online, when I see that, um, well, that Mike Bennett has returned to ROH, yeah, you know, Matt Taven and ROH, very happy to have Mike Bennett back. You remember his ill-fated run with the WWE? Well, he's back. I'm Courtney McKay, backstage at Ring of Honor. We just saw Matt Taven defeat Bateman of the Righteous, and that on its own is very exciting. But even more exciting than that, we have yes. the returning Mike Bennett. Oh, my God, you're back. I'm so happy. Yes, I, you're happy. I'm, I'm so happy. I've never been so happy in my life. You know, this, I can't even get the words right now because Vinny was supposed to be one of those guys that I could always count on, that I could always call when I needed a pick-me-up. But he was never that. It was always you, man. It was always you. With every dumb mistake I've ever made in my life, you were there to help me. If I ever needed someone, it was always you. And oh my, here's the thing, Dude. Matt. Matt, here's one thing you never do. You don't mess with a man's family. And you are my brother. I've always been there. You've always been there for me. You picked me up. I picked you up. In Japan, all over the world. We always did it together. And Taven, when I saw what Vinny did, it's time to be back there for you, for this team, for this family. Dude, I cannot wait for what so the happy. future. I know. I'm just so I mean, excited. I, I don't even know. We should get out of here and go celebrate why, right now. Why are we still here? I don't know. Let's Master, go. Like we're talking about Master Bateman and Balloon Boy. Forget those guys. Let's go celebrate. Let's do it. This needs to happen right now. Let's, let's go start let's it right go. now. Come let's on. set the party. Let's go. Let's go. I just have one more question. So, are you here to stay? I should have never left. Love it from Mike Bennett from Ring of Honor. Should have never left. And I love Quinn McKay. She's so bubbly and cute. She's a great backstage announcer. She's the new Mean Gene. Uh, uh, I guess in some ways. What about Jay Lethal? Jay Lethal, as we saw at Ring of Honor, and with TNA, that guy also is a great talker. I, I just think that Ring of Honor is one of the top companies in the world when it comes to having just great promos, just telling you like it is, just telling you the storylines. I, I like Jay Lethal, too. But when I think about the Ring of Honor Pure title tournament, it's a little bittersweet for me. Because although it didn't go exactly how I wanted it to, it kind of did. The goal set out in that whole Pure title tournament was accomplished. We sought out to find the purest of pure athletes, guys who have traveled the world honing their skill. We found out who the best man was, and that's Jonathan Gresham. And I got no qualms about it. I lost to Tracy Williams. But I lost to the better man that night. I'm not sad to admit it. I'm not ashamed. Guys need to step up and stand up. If you've been defeated by the better man, you say it. Because that's what happened. And I don't mind standing next to like-minded individuals. Guys like Jonathan Gresham. Guys like Tracy Williams. All these men that I align myself with, they all have the same vision I do. And we want to clean up Ring of Honor. We want to bring structure and order back to Ring of Honor. We're not the only ones. It just will take a while to find those brave enough to say it. One of the main goals of the foundation is to search far and wide for those who have put in their hard work, those who have put in their time, those who have honed their craft, traveling the world, becoming better wrestlers. Those people need to be rewarded, which is why 
I've requested this match against LSG. LSG has traveled the world. He's owned his craft. He's trying to become a better wrestler. And it's time for him to be rewarded. And you know what, LSG, he's young, he's quick, he's, he's fast. But the most importantly, he's hungry. You know, I remember being in that same spot that you're in, LSG, just chomping at the bit, waiting for someone just to give me the opportunity to prove that I could go with the greatest wrestlers in the world. For me, that was done by a man named Samoa Joe, took me under his wing when I was in your exact same boat. Well, now I return that favor, LSG. Now I give a gift to you. You are getting the greatest wrestler in the world, one-on-one, -on -one, so that you can prove that you can hang with the greatest wrestlers out there. But unfortunately, Nothing is free in this world. In our match, LSG, get ready to pay for it. Get ready to pay for this free gift. The greatest tag team that never was in the WWE. What about the Briscoes? The Soldiers of Savage. Well, let me tell y'all boys something. Y'all looking at the original Savages. Yeah, we got to step in the ring with y'all boys a few weeks back. I dig it. I hear y'all talking. To them boys, we salute. Because y'all done faced them all. Baddest of the baddest. The best of the best. But I'll be damn sure known that y'all ain't faced SOS. Y'all got a nice little yap on you. We like how y'all boys talk. We OGs huh? in the game, baby. We got a list. Body, baby. Body. Body. So when it comes time for us to go to blows, they might as well give us our badges. Call us the Rangers. Because we in that ring, we on that ass. Your lives in danger. In danger. That's what we do. And y'all boys ain't going to be no different. It's about time we send them boys like Sandy Fort Delaware and put them out of their misery. So let's throw your dukes up and let's get down with it. Just know when it's time for battle, we don't shy away. Because when one dies, those rise. The Khan, pro Prolific Moses, and the Briscoes. I don't know anything about that program except what I see online, just from the clips. And just, you, you heard those promos, right? From the Briscoes and that tag team opportunity <laughs> that they're going to have to what we just heard there from uh, Jay Lethal. I mean, the promo, the spoken word, gets over more so than anything else. And it still resonates with me as a wrestling fan. Okay, okay, I gotta do one more. A guest that was on this show, Shane Taylor from Ring of Honor. I mean, they're just sitting down in the chair with a ring behind them, and there's no script. I'm sure there's bullet points in their mind or stuff they went over, but these interviews are really, really smooth. I love them. My name is Shane Taylor. I'm the president, CEO, and the captain of Shane Taylor Promotions, and I'm here to make history. Growing up for me, you know, I, I've made no secret about where I come from, which is the east side of Cleveland, Ohio, growing up around drugs, guns, violence, gangs, having my house broken into, having my house shot up every other day because my dad and my uncles wanted to fight the drug dealers on the corner. Uh, so growing up in that environment, you take a different approach to life. You take a different approach to the way you see the world. You have a different perspective. So wrestling for me was a lifesaver. It allowed me somewhere to be, somewhere to go. It allowed me to have that focus and have a, have a goal. And one of the guys, one of the main reasons that I'm even in Ring of Honor is because of another guy that is from Cleveland as well by the name of Ray Rowe. When I got started in 2007, I was trained by Ray 
came up together in Cleveland. A lot of the things that we shouldn't have been doing, we were doing together. His path took him to Ring of Honor. I was right there behind him. He was able to get me in front of the right people, and now here I am. Stepping into Ring of Honor, I started off as a tag team with a good friend of mine named Keith Lee. We made a tag team called the Pretty Boy Killers. The reason for the name was to be able to show people in professional wrestling that no matter what they thought a star was, you could have guys like ourselves who look different, who walk different, who talk different, who were different. Things happened the way they did. Keith decided to leave and that put me in a position where I had to figure out what I had to do next. And my job was to find out how to be a star with or without him. Thankfully, I got brought into to the mix with a group called The Rebellion with Kenny King, Caprice Coleman, and Rhett Titus. The Rebellion was incredible for me. The message that we were sending then is exactly the same one that I'm sending now. And a lot of the success that I have now was directly correlated to my time in The Rebellion. There comes a time when you really have to decide where you're gonna be in history. My legacy is dependent upon me beating Kenny King. I have to get past him. I definitely see Kenny King as a huge influence, not only in my career in Ring of Honor, but in who I am as a person. I sat on the edge of the ring, distraught, because I had given it my all, or at least what I had at the time. And he brought me in for a hug and told me, you don't know how good you're gonna be yet. And I didn't know what he meant. But then fast forward, I create Shane Taylor Promotions. I go on one of the most dominant world television championship runs in the history of this company. And now I know what he meant. I work best by creating a reason to hate my opponent. I need a chip on my shoulder. I, I need to be pushed to be in a certain mindset to be able to dish out the type of punishment that I'm capable of to beat them. And up until now, I've been unable to do that with Kenny. Kenny's got the speed, he's got the athleticism, he's got the intelligence, the in-ring savvy. I have the power, I have the strength, and nobody knows me better in-ring than Kenny King does. Just good stuff there by Shane Taylor, who was a guest on this program uh, earlier. You can go to the archives and hear our conversation. Went through a tough time, as you heard, from in Cleveland, Ohio, and um, he is one of the front-facing wrestlers for the Ring of Honor brand. So I just want to just illustrate for you that it's more than just the grab ass or the cosplay or the funny, the bad comedy. Sometimes it's just straightforward wrestling interviews that can get you hooked. So I'm a big fan of that. Shout out to the tag team match on Monday Night Raw, by the way, on the 23rd of November, where we saw the Hurt Business taking on the New Day. Um, just... It is amazing to me, and if you've watched wrestling as long as I have, you can realize that to have the number of African-American wrestlers that are in the major parts of the card is amazing. It it really is. When you growing up, you're seeing just one African-American wrestler or one Latino wrestler or one women's match. Now you're being able to see a plethora of um, a diverse wrestling card. And just to see the New Day against the Hurt Business and watching Cedric Alexander and Sheldon Benjamin work, um, <laughs> it's just, it is really good to see these matches out there because there is a need to be able to show more than what you're normally seeing. You know, traditionally, if you had one black on the card, as Thunderbolt Patterson said to Ole Anderson once, then you were good. 
And the point is that here we are in 2020, and you just got all these different wrestlers that are out there. And I think I just think that's cool. I just think that to see a variety of different styles and a different wrestling out there, I just think that is really, really cool. So lastly, let me get to something that I wanted to play for you and hate to end on this note, but it's interesting. You know, what we think about when we watch wrestling, we never think about the lifestyle of a professional wrestler or what's what they're going through. They're smiling or they're frowning, but they, either way, they're entertaining us, right? They're entertaining us as wrestling fans. So Lana was asked recently in an interview about what she is going through uh, without her husband, Miro. Of course, you know, Miro was uh, let go by the WWE, and now he's in All Elite Wrestling, and you see Lana, who we just mentioned earlier, going through tables. And, you know, I know Vince McMahon is petty. We can see that he's petty. The idea that, that Lana goes through a table eight, nine times, and it's not connected to Miro's comments since he left the WWE, there's no question that there's a connection. Uh, and I don't know why Vince is like this, but there's a there's a sense of pettiness. There's no entertainment in seeing someone go through a table seven, eight times every week. You, clearly, you're punishing that wrestler, even though Lana was a sole survivor, which means jack shit in the WWE. The reason why it means nothing is because there was no tally on the screen for who's leading Raw or SmackDown. Because ultimately, in those traditional, uh, these traditional Survivor Series matches, it really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So that's why there's no telling the bottom screen like, hey, Raw 3, SmackDown 2, who's going to have brand supremacy? Well, it doesn't matter, clearly, right? They, they've gotten away with that. Um, so Lana was talking to the WWE Network, and a producer asked, how hard has it been to stay positive in the past year? And Lana responds this way. in the last year. Not having 300 days on the road, being at home, then all of a sudden, no fans. And then, of course, like, being with the person from the very beginning. Like, traveling with that person, being literally 24-7 being with that person. And then, that person's not there. It's really hard. And... I don't even know how sometimes I keep on pushing through. For me, what was really, really hard was like, usually like going to arenas and people boo you. And then like, it's something about the energy. Like you're like, oh, I'm in control of this, right? But then when all of a sudden I don't interact with any people whatsoever and I'm just at home and I post something and everyone is just so mean. It's like I couldn't handle it anymore. Because that's like my only interaction with human beings is my Instagram account or Twitter. And now everyone in comments are like, you should be fired. Why are you not fired? You suck. You're this, you're that. And it's like, damn. I remember texting my parents and being like, please pray for me. My mental health is doing really bad. I'm really depressed. I go, I just, I can't take it anymore. I just, I'm so sad. Like, I don't want to do anything. Like, why even try? Why? doesn't matter. You work hard. You do this. Like, you can't post because everyone's going to tell you to go jump off a cliff and kill yourself. And, like, you're worth nothing. So it's like, well, why? 
Lana with thoughts regarding what she's going through with the WWE. I will tell you this, that there is no job worth your mental health. If she feels that way, then why does she stay? And I don't think that was a gimmick. I think that was something that was heartfelt because I'm watching the video as I played it for you. And unless she comes out on the other side of this, which she will, then why stay in the WWE? If she has mental health issues, and I know that many people do, and they deal with it every day, there's no reason to be part of a company that makes you sad. The only interaction that she has is people online. That's the, that's the way it is for a lot of people, that their friends are the ones that they interact with online, on Instagram, Twitter. And I would tell her that if she's sad that Miro's not around, or she's on the road and she doesn't have her partner with her, or now she talked about there's no fans there um, to interact with because of the pandemic, uh, no job is worth her mental health. I'd say that for anybody, including Lana or anyone else that's going through a very tough time. So I want to play that for you and let you know that I hope that you have a great Thanksgiving. I know that's an odd transition, but we had to play that for you because I just thought that it was very interesting, um, the comments that she had to make uh, regarding her s- profound sadness being part of the WWE and everything's going through her life. So I want to play that for you to give you a thought that, you know, if you're posting something and it's something negative, you got to think about the other person. What about the person on the other side of that screen? When you hit send and you're trying to demean someone or shit on someone just because you can, and I know, listen, I know there's a lot of selfish people a lot of selfish people that just want to do what's best for them. But just understand how that affects the other person. Um, I just think that for me, if I'm clapping back at someone because they attack me, well, I'm going to say something, but also will say have a great day or thanks for listening on the back end of that. I've done that many times. Um, so just remember when you send something, you never know how it makes someone feel. When you're interacting with them, when they're saying, hey, hope that you're having a great day and someone says F you. Well, that's not right. So I hope that you have a great Thanksgiving and a great holiday. And as always, I appreciate your support on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Don't forget, you can find this on the ESPN Chicago app. If you have the ESPN Chicago app where you can hear me and David Kaplan mornings between 7 and 10 on ESPN 1000. And on that aforementioned ESPN Chicago app, please check it out. Uh, If you are a Apple podcast or Google play person. I love five stars and review. It helps our algorithms when it comes to uh, what we want to do for the future of this podcast. So if you can leave five stars and review, I'd really appreciate that. At least I know that you're listening and that you're enjoying what we do every Tuesday for you, the pro wrestling fan. All right. Again, enjoy your uh, holiday weekend. And I know that I will do that. All the best to you and your family. We'll do this next Tuesday with another edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday right here. Thanks so much. I'm Jonathan Hood. So long, everybody. Uh-uh.